Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. We need to let our children struggle to gain whatever it is that they're supposed to be learning. If you think back to your life, the things that you struggled for, you appreciate a lot. And it's in the struggle that we gain, that biblically, Romans 3, it's in the struggle that we gain character and more confidence in God. Parents want their children to grow up with the ability to face life, especially disappointments and risks, with confidence and bravery. Children who learn resiliency are less likely to give up, avoid risks, and become overwhelmed with anxiety and depression. We're joined today by Dr. Kathy Cook. She is a child development specialist and the author of six books, including her most recent, Resilient Kids Raising Them to Embrace Life with Confidence. Today on Connections, Dr. Cook will offer practical, relevant, and faith-based insights and resources to remind us that there's no shame or blame for yesterday and great hope for tomorrow. I'm very excited to welcome Dr. Kathy, Dr. Kathy Cook, who many of you will probably recognize from hearing her on Focus on the Family, often right here on this radio station. She's the founder of Celebrate Kids, and you've got a great new book coming out soon, Dr. Kathy, that we're going to talk about this morning. But First of all, I was wondering, how did you get into this world of helping uh, parents raise kids and giving advice on raising healthy kids? Oh, that's a fun question, right? So good to be with you today. I appreciate the opportunity. So I was a professor in Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, not too far uh, from the Canadian border, and I loved being a professor. I was teaching people how to be teachers of children. And God kept bringing back to my mind uh, Deuteronomy 6 and other passages about the role of the parent being, you know, a first and foremost primary teacher of all children. But I'm not a parent. I'm a single, you know, woman. I'm like, God, I can't teach parents. And he like, no, you really can. And so that's that's what began it. Um, I've always I was raised to be. How would I say it? I was raised to believe in influence. My grandfather was mayor of my city when I was a young child into the middle school, high school years. And so I watched my grandfather use words for a positive effect. And I, I think that was extremely significant to me because I was a chatty Kathy from the time I was a little girl. <laughs> and uh, Grandpa Meyer is the one who I think instilled in me the fact that I could use those words for good. And uh, you know, teaching parents how to raise kids, I'm not sure there's much more that's important. I don't mean that to sound arrogant at all. It's just parenting is hard and children matter. And so helping parents, uh, it's a joy. It's super significant fun for us. I'm married to a school psychologist. She's a child development expert as well, but we still find parenting hard, even with an expert in the house, right? Yeah. Uh, Your new book called Resilient Kids. I, I love the subtitle of it. It says, Raising Them to Embrace Life with confidence. What does confidence mean, first of all, when we talk about that then? Oh, what a great question. Assurance. Um, Mm. Wow, I hadn't thought about that in a while. Um, A positive assurance. Uh, There's joy attached to confidence. There's a belief that the effort is worth it. There's um, growth that's associated with that word. Um, I not, Not foolish confidence, like, you know, I can climb the mountain you know, I can jump off of the roof and not get hurt. Not stupid arrogance, but but a genuine um, confidence based on reality. Yeah, sometimes we think about young people. Uh, what's the, uh, the I got to go back to my youth pastor days, the term like 
uh, personal fable, I think it is, where they have this overconfidence, right? They think they're invincible. That's not what you're talking about here. No, uh, no. Raising resilient kids. What what motivated you to sit down and write this book? Thanks for asking that. Actually, it was during the COVID crisis. Now, I've written about resiliency in two of my other books. So the character quality of resiliency, being able to come back from defeat, has always been really important to me. But I was watching during the COVID crisis and children were defining themselves by what they did not have. They were beginning to think about more about the loss of a prom and a baseball season. And those yeah. things are significant. Like I still ache for people who really lost a lot, but I didn't want parents or their children so caught up in that, that they would be defeated by the weight of loss because that's not, that's not honoring the Lord. And so let's, Let's decide how we can step up because, frankly, all of us have needed to be resilient to walk out of different situations we've had over the last couple of years. It's been a trying time. Yeah, it has. And like you said, I don't want to, like, dismiss how trying and how difficult and how much loss there was. But I did view it, too, as like, oh, what a great opportunity to I guess what I didn't know it at the time. But what I was thinking is what a great opportunity to build resiliency in ourselves and and raise our children with a resilient spirit, uh, much like our grandparents did through the Depression and the World Wars. Yeah, very good analogy. Absolutely. Uh, so, so I asked you about confidence already. What does resiliency look like to you then? What do you mean when you say resilient? Right. What I mean by that is um, readily recovering from difficulty. I used to talk about bouncing back like Tigger and Winnie the Pooh. But yeah. in reality, we don't always bounce back. Uh, right. But we readily recover. Resilient people do not stay down in the valleys. They are not defeated by loss or grief or fear or disappointment. So resiliency is um, readily recovering from difficulty, challenge, loss, trauma. It is a, um, it, it depends on a positive, optimistic mindset. I was really intrigued by how very important that actually is. And it begins as a choice. And then it becomes a learned ability the more often we do it. And then it becomes a part of our character. Most adults do not have to think about being resilient. We just are. If something happens to us, we, we can flip the switch and come back. Now, when you're younger and you're learning how to bounce back, then it's an ability. The more you practice it, then it becomes a part of your character. And that's what I really want for people. Uh, what does resiliency look like for you then? In, um, uh, like, what does it prevent or what does it create for people? Yeah, it's growth. You know, the, the big the big umbrella, I'll, I'll give you a couple of general things. One would be just growth in general, because if you're resilient, you're not afraid of a red pen. You're, you know, you, you lose a, a soccer game. You don't make first chair, you know, flute in your band. You earn a B instead of an Anna test. You're not going to be defeated by that. I'm resilient people just know that that's a part of life. And they look at the feedback that they get and they choose to overcome the difficulty and try again. On another day. So I think that just gen growth in, in general, progress in general is huge, ultimately resulting in success. Another thing that the research is very clear on that I think is super important is mental health. Those of us mm -hmm. who are resilient have better mental health. Again, we're not defined by loss, grief, uh, trauma. We, we bounce back. We know how to get help. We ask for help. We're not afraid to do that. We don't define ourselves only by the things we cannot do. We're very good problem solvers. And I would assume that a lot of people listening would be excited about that because we, we, we see the problem and we don't want to stay in the problem. So we problem solve. That's a great quality to have. So I'm hearing like if really a lot of this is going to be modeling, right? If I want to have a resilient kid, but I'm not resilient myself, 
it's going to be that much harder for them to become resilient adults as well then, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, children, they pay attention to us. And and I don't envy. I mean, I, I think, but it's, a, it's an important reason to be an excellent parent, to know that you've got little ones, you know, listening and looking. You know, if, if we throw temper tantrums, they throw temper tantrums. <laughs> if they don't see us ask for help, then they're afraid to ask for help. If they hear us complaining about how everything is hard and our boss doesn't listen to us, then guess what? They complain about everything being hard and nobody listened to them. You begin to look for that mimicked behavior and it's there. And so that's when we, we say to our kids, man, I have not been a good dad lately because I just realized I have allowed you to see me defeated and I don't want you to live a defeated life. So let's both work on teachability and confidence and, and character. And that, by the way, is another real advantage of resiliency is strong character in general, uh, stronger character. Um, and that's a biblical, biblical concept. I'm hearing too, then maybe like the best way to do this is not only model it yourselves, but then like have open communication with your kids about the things that you're going through yourself or you're going through as a family, have like open, honest communication with them. This is the bad thing that's happening, but here's the good that we can pull out of it and that kind of thing, maybe. I, I love that. Absolutely. You know, it certainly depends upon um, the age of your kids. You don't want to. Yeah talk a lot about that with little kids, but totally let them know this is how the world works. We're not handed everything on a silver platter. Not everything is easy. I tell kids all the time, if everything was easy, you wouldn't need to go to school. <laughs> You're going to have to learn things that are challenging. And so as moms and dads, we can talk about how we were challenged at work or we got to the grocery store. And we were so disappointed that they didn't have what we wanted in the right size that we wanted it in. And what was me? Or did we just decide to make a shift and buy something else? I know your book talks about uh, five core things a child needs to build resiliency. Do you mind telling us about those quickly? No, I'd be happy to. They need security. Children need to be, they need people they can trust so they can be honest and not afraid to admit that they need help. They need a positive, true identity. Who am I? They need to know that they are resilient, that they are problem solvers, that they are growing and maturing. They need to know positive, true things about themselves. They need a healthy belonging. They need people they can trust. And people they can talk to, they need to be connected to people. They need moms and dads who put down their phones and make present contact with them and treat them like why, they're important. Why are you calling me out right now? <laughs> <laughs> that would be true of most moms and dads. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's okay if you have your phone out because you need something done. But in most cases, if you don't have to have it, put it away. And then the fourth one is a purpose. Why am I alive? And there's a body of research that suggests when kids know that they were created on purpose with purpose and they have extra moments waiting for them, then they're going to want to achieve as much as possible. And that's a huge thing. And then competence, what do I do well? Kids need to know that they have strengths because it's only when we know we have strengths that we are willing to work on our weaknesses. I really like that. Uh, I'll brag about my wife really quick. I mentioned she's a school psychologist. And one of the things she does when she has to give a child and their family a diagnosis now is she writes a little comic book. And it's like, uh, basically, this is your diagnosis. Here are all the superpowers it gives you, right? So if a yes, kid is diagnosed yeah. on the autism spectrum or ADHD or whatever, it's like, Yes, you're going to have difficulties, but here's what makes you unique about what you're facing now, too. And it, it works. Oh, absolutely. Teller, I, I appreciate that a lot. We've got to help people understand that um, there's always there's always a good side to it. Always. Yeah, that's cool. A, a lot of resiliency, too, from what I'm hearing from you talking about this, like it sounds to me like <coughs> the more contentment you have in the family and the more optimistic your outlook 
the more resilient you're just naturally going to be then. Yes, that's exactly true. Optimism allows us to um, own our stuff, but not blame others when it isn't their problem. Optimism allows us to believe that this isn't going to be lasting forever and my whole life is ruined. And and those those optimistic beliefs come from optimistic parents and a family where there's fun on, on a Saturday morning and a Thursday night and where we listen to each other and we enjoy each other. And we learn together and, we're de- and we serve together where we feel really safe. It's so important. So if our child does face a difficult circumstance, uh, whether it's a large uh, failure or maybe actually failure is the wrong word. We'll talk about that in a bit, I guess, but or a traumatic event or what have you. How do we as parents help them face this difficulty and overcome it with resiliency? Mm, Such a good question. I think we need to be honest. I think if we know that our children have very little experience with the task at hand, we should be honest about that. And we can say, Brian, this is new and it might be a bit challenging and you can do it because I've seen you rise to the occasion before. You know, you're a young boy who's not afraid of hard work. So I think we make sure that we tell them who we believe they are, not who they think they are. And I think um, so I think that's important that we're honest. And I, I believe, too, you know, let's not force them to do something that's above their level if we don't have to. Right. You know, let, we can protect them to an extent. Yeah, great point, too. Right. And sometimes life kind of throws those random things at us. Right. Where um, kids are suddenly almost forced to act well above their age, but we can protect them from that at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we as parents then? Um, what are things we should be looking out for? Like how our kids, like right now, our five-year-old daughter, she's amazing. She's got a huge heart. She really looks out for others, but also the slightest little mistake. And it's already the end of the world, right? So how do we react to things like that? Whether it's helping kids face mistakes or failures or different things. That's, that's, that's a great question. I, I wish you would not have asked it <laughs> um, because um, it's it's challenging, right? I mean, it just, some kids are fragile. There's DNA. Um, some of us have a, a particular learning style that is bent toward perfectionism. We're hard on ourselves. And, you know, I think you look her in the eye or you, you hug her, say, you know, sweetheart, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, it's at some point you earn the right to say that. However, in that moment, it is a big deal. So you let her process it, let her kind of get it out emotionally. Ideally, we ask her, why Why was this so hard for you to handle? Now, if she's five, she might not have vocabulary. But this is, this is my perspective on this. You say to your sons and daughters, I'm a little bit disappointed that you threw a fit when you got the answer wrong. Because we've been talking with you before about how learning takes effort and mistakes are a part of life. So why was that so hard for you to handle? Now, if they're too young to verbalize an answer, you've implied they should have one, Uh. which can begin to help them process something internally. And I don't say that lightly. That's not going to work in every family. I would ask every parent listening to think about how do you handle your mistakes? What do your children see out of you? Um, Have you implied perfect is what you expect? So every time they drop a little bit of milk, do you panic? Every time that they reverse a B, do you panic? Or do you understand that learning is 
mistakes are a part of the learning process? Um, do we look for growth and progress, not perfection? And do we point that out to our kids? You know, a lot of kids don't realize that on the fifth day of practicing the letter A, they're better than they were on the first day. They don't they don't realize that. Huh. Keep yeah. their old keep their old work. Take pictures of it or keep it for a while and show them the progress. And you can even, without them knowing it, time them. And, you know, on Monday, it took you this many minutes to practice this many letter A's. And today you had the same number of letters and look, sweetheart. And now she doesn't understand math yet, but you can help her understand that she was able to do it quicker. They don't see their progress and we do. So let's point that out to them. Ah, That's so amazing. That makes me think of my own spiritual life, too. And maybe sometimes I don't see my own progress, but God does. So thank you. Amen. (laughs) Uh, you talk a little bit about mentors as well. Tell us the importance of mentors uh, in young kids' lives. Yeah, thanks for asking that too. You know, sometimes we can't model everything for our kids. We're, we're human. You know, we're not superhuman. And so, you know, maybe there's a family member or a, a church or a member, a member in your community, maybe a homeschool group that has experienced something that you want your kids to understand. You know, have them over for lunch or dinner. Or go for you know go to a on a picnic together. Or now it's getting colder. That's probably not a good example. But um, yeah, hang out. There's 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 research to suggest almost every preteen and teen begins to look for people outside of their family, and what they're looking for are people who affirm their parents. Don't freak out and assume that they're looking to replace you. What they want to know is do other people my parents' age agree with my parents? And so if you have other families that you're hanging out with, and you know that those moms and dads believe what you believe about spiritual development or progress or practice or whatever, then it's okay for your kids to listen to those moms and dads. And, you know, maybe the two families go together and and go to a movie. And it's okay if your kid wants to sit by the other dad and not by you. Don't panic when that happens. It's important. Because that's my fear. They're going to value this person more than me, right? So (laughs) they're going to be cooler than For a season, season they might, or there might be a reason. But, you know, we're not – we're not 100% complete. You know, maybe you don't have a quality that your kid has because they're made in God's image, not yours. So, you know, maybe your daughter wants to be a ballerina and you and your wife aren't prone to that. And you can Definitely. find somebody. Okay. You can find somebody in the community who likes ballet. And that that woman goes shopping with your daughter to get her little ballet tutu. And that's a really cool bonding experience. And that's a beautiful yeah. thing. The more, the more people children have who they can trust, the better. I as long that. as moms and dads are still on the list. <laughs> right. <laughs> not, not instead of. I'm saying in addition to moms and dads. Yeah. And us being okay with that, right? And yeah, yep. I think that's a, it's actually an easier place to get to than we might think when we see how much it benefits our kids as well. Um, mm-hmm. Spiritual resilience may be the most important piece of everything. Um, how can we be assured that our kids are, are going to be spiritually resist, resilient, that they're going to cling to God when life gets tough? Yeah, it's a great question. I don't know if we can know for sure. Um, I wish that there was this perfect little formula and, and that would guarantee uh, spiritual wellness. But, but here's what I think. Uh, two or three things. I think it's very important that we make sure our children know as much about God as possible. Don't let them have one favorite verse. Don't let them have only one attribute of God. Teach the wholeness of God, that he is faithful and full of truth and grace and mercy. And he's, he's um, you know, honest and he's uh, wise and he's strong and he's the lion and the lamb and he's all these things. Because if your children only know a very limited perspective about God and that element of God fails them, let's say that your, your child knows that God is faithful um, or God is present. Maybe they've been taught that God is present. 
And one day they, they panic because they can't feel God's presence and they don't feel like he's answering their questions and then they panic. But if that child knew other attributes of God, then maybe having that one feel like it's missing wouldn't be such a major deal. So I think that's huge. Uh, before we let you go, I need to ask about this. I hear that you observed a newborn giraffe when you were in Africa. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and what it taught you about reinforcing our beliefs for children. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So um, I was in Niger, Africa, and we saw that there was a giraffe pregnant at the giraffe preserve. The um, Our guide allowed us to um, drive over to the area where the giraffe would be, and we waited until the baby was dropped, and then we very quietly snuck under the bushes and we were in this clearing and there was this gigantic uh, mom and the little baby and the baby was so camouflaged. We could hardly see it on the dirt and on the leaves of the ground. It's fascinating. And its neck was like a piece of spaghetti. So the baby knew that it needed to nurse and needed to stand up. Like God is so amazing the way he creates his creatures and the baby would struggle to get the neck up. And just when the neck would get about perpendicular to the ground, it would just fall right over. And it was just amazing. But what was so stunning to all of us was that the mother just watched. Every once in a while, the mother bent way down with its neck and with its huge tongue would lick the baby and, and indicate to the baby, mama's here, but then pop its neck right back up and kind of stare over at us because I think she was a little bit alarmed that so many of us were watching. But she never tried to pick the baby up. She never took you know, her, her nose, if you will, and snuck it under the baby and lifted the baby. She just watched. And I think that that's why the baby learned to stand and eventually walk in nerves. We need to let our children struggle to gain whatever it is that they're supposed to be learning. If you think back to your life, the things that you struggled for, you appreciate a lot. And it's in the struggle that we gain, that biblically, Romans 3, it's in the struggle that we gain character and more confidence in God. And so let's let's be present to our children. Let's be in the room. Let's even sit next to them, but keep your mouth shut and uh, <laughs> try not to the answer's four. You know, try yeah. try to let them so that when they figure out that it's four, you can go, great job, Billy. Because yeah. if you if you rescue them prematurely from the challenge, they'll never believe they can do it on their own. And that's not good for them. Yeah, same with spiritual questions, right? I'm a big believer on not giving them the answers, but helping guide them. Well, let's go and see what the Bible says about this question, right? And let them read it and let them think it through and encourage them to think, think and pray about it. And then their faith is their own at the end of the day. Yes. Tell us a little bit about your ministry, Celebrate Kids, and how you equip parents and children to become more resilient. Yeah, thank you. So our website, CelebrateKids.com. We'd love to welcome people there. Um, We do have a store with with my books. And of course, all my books are available elsewhere, um, like any other books. Um, We have blogs. My podcast is there and other um, encouraging insights. I think we're in the process of building out the website, but there's good good product there and good good information there. We love to do parent education in churches and uh, schools. We do a lot of conventions for homeschool families and others. Um, we do our own events and we just want to come alongside moms and dads and help them parent well during these challenging times. And it's such an honor that people listen to us. We're so pleased. Yeah, you're such a great resource for parents. I always appreciate your insights and uh, a big pleasure for us to be able to talk to you today, Dr. Cook. Thank you. 
Thank you. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.